0: You don't know my
1: Welcome everyone. This is episode 80 of the Wing in It podcast. I'm Ali. I'm joined by Alex. Andrew is not here today. He couldn't make it today's episode. Um, you know, I think back to the old folk tale of, of Chicken Little and how the acorn fell out from the sky and Chicken Little started screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And it certainly seemed like the rhetoric that the sky was falling throughout this year where we felt that a storm was coming was... May have been a little bit, you know, sort of hyperbolic, but at this point in the season, um, we are not speaking in hyperbole anymore. The Philadelphia Eagles lost to arguably one of the worst teams in the NFL yesterday. And uh, we have uh, next week to contend with where we potentially could get the number two seed and win the division, um, followed by the playoffs. Um, if if you haven't already uh, done so, please Follow us on our social media channels uh, at wingin.it.pod, um on Instagram as well as TikTok. If you're watching us on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so you don't miss another episode. Alex, my man, you were at the game yesterday. Um, talk to me about. Obviously, we're going to get into you know some of the things that happened in in that game, but we're leading twenty one to six at halftime. What's the vibe like in the second half?
0: yeah i mean dude i gotta say that sydney brown interception was that place was rocking it was exciting um there was no fear from us at all going into half that we weren't going to be able to uh to to come out of this hey real quick is my mic sound okay coming through to it's, you it sounds beautiful okay cool uh yeah i mean we didn't really have um any uh any uh you know fear 21-6 up at half um Looks at the Cardinals, all they can do is run the ball effectively. So, you know, they're just going to take away the time of possession. Obviously, Uh, that's the way that that story uh, went. And, um, yeah, I will say, Ali, though, um, I feel tricked. I feel like I have been critical at this team near the end of the season. But I think you know this, that I always had a little bit of hope, a little bit of optimism, a little bit of a belief that, yeah, we're not executing as well. We're going to hit a corner. Things are happening in the NFL that we need to fall our way. We had an opportunity to get the one seed, maybe get the two. Actually, the two seed sounded really likely going to be able to host a playoff game here in Philadelphia. I never really believed that we would get back to a Super Bowl this year, but did feel like we were turning a corner, did feel that it was going to be a statement win. Mind you, audience, I was a 12 and a half point favorite on the Eagles there, and we could go on a little bit of a run. It's what I believed. We were going to finish the season, couple wins in the playoffs, so the heads held high, say, hey, we're going to regroup, fix up some of the sloppy things, figure out our coordinator situation in the offseason, be good to go. I no longer believe that. This team has crushed my spirit, absolutely crushed my spirit. I'm not angry today. I'm not mad. I'm not pointing fingers. We're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down on today's episode, but this team has absolutely crushed my spirit. The time, the commitment, the money, the traveling, the plane tickets, the Airbnbs, the extraordinary depths we go to root for this team, and they just don't reciprocate it. My my spirit is absolutely crushed today.
1: Well, I'm sad to hear that. I'm sad to hear that. <laughs> um, you know, I think the 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 cool thing about this team. Uh, trying to stay optimistic as much as I can here. Right. Because do I think that we're going to make a deep playoff run? No. Do I, will I be surprised if we win our first playoff game? Yes, I absolutely will be. Because at this point, um, you know, who are we looking at playing Detroit or Dallas?
0: No, it it would be, I've heard it would be the NFC South champion. So we'd probably be going to Tampa and taking on Baker Mayfield and the bucks, which I actually do feel okay about.
1: I, I don't. I actually don't feel confident about that. Right. Because the team, you can make an argument that the team that played Tampa Bay earlier this year is not the team that we have today.
0: Right. Doesn't Um, even feel like the same season. I agree.
1: You're right. You know, I, I do. Is this team going to win the Super Bowl? No. And is it going to be because we have a bad offense? No, it's going to be because we have a bad offense and a bad defense. Um, to me, this is one of those situations where, you know, coaching can bring about the best in a uh, non-ideal situation when it comes to player talent. Um, And in this case, I think this is an example of how coaching can also hinder a lot of talent on a team and not bring it up to, to sort of play at its potential. So, I don't know, man, like we don't we don't have a script for this episode. We can get into two up, two down. We can get into to some of the frustrations. What do you want to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just see where it goes and, and see where it takes us. Right. Um, if yeah, we want to do two up, two down. Sidney Brown's interception was sick. And the uh, second up is I think Jalen Hurts didn't play a bad game. I think a lot of the pressure is going to be off of him. But here's kind of like getting into the downs of everything. We don't need much analysis on the other on things that we saw that were positive. Um, I've really lost a lot of faith in Nick Sirianni. Mm. Um, you know, I think Sirianni's built for the city. I think when things are good, they're really good. But what I learned yesterday is that Nick is very reactive in the way that he calls a game, and he's very, very immature. You know, Ali, you and I are in business. We don't podcast full time as much as we wish we could. In your business world, do you have someone that you look up to, a mentor per se? Yes. Yeah, right? I have a mentor too. I have someone that's been helping me along the lines, making sure that I'm staying in my lane. When I have an issue, I'm going to them. The thing that I learned about watching this team yesterday, and I'll get into the ex- a specific example of why, is the Philadelphia Eagles need an adult in the room. Nick Sirianni is just not built for this from an experience perspective, I did a little bit of research on his um, Wikipedia page today. And, you know, coming from and oddly enough, he went to my Alma mater IUP as a wide receivers coach. Um, He was an offensive quality coach in Kansas city. He joined the San Diego chargers and worked with the team's quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. And then in Indianapolis, he was also an offensive coordinator. Now he never has called plays and what that looks like, but, Nick needs to know how to run an offense here. And when I say things are reactive, how many quarterback draws did we see in the first half? And how many did we see in the second half when he's like, Hey, we need to get something that's working here. So he starts running Jalen hurts and putting his prize possession in danger. Here's the part that I just don't understand about Nick. The game manager aspect of his game. The only thing he needs to do because he doesn't call plays is woefully bad. It is woefully bad. When Jonathan Gannon kicked that onside kick, that was a huge slap in the face. That was a statement saying, hey, in a tie game, if we get the ball back, good for us. But we're going to ensure that you give us the ball back really quickly, regardless if you score or not, because we're going to make this a game regardless. So the first two plays of that drive actually was fine. A run to DeAndre Swift up the middle, then an 18-yard pass to A.J. Brown. Then the holding call happened. Oh, mind you, we did call a timeout after DeAndre Swift. So, three timeouts down to two. Philadelphia committed a 10-yard holding penalty. First and 20, Jalen Hurts runs a quarterback draw. Second and 16, Jalen Hurts runs a quarterback draw. Third and 19, we call another timeout. Third and 19, bubble screen to Kenneth Gainwell. Fourth and fifteen, Jake Elliott kicks a field goal. We know what happens underneath there. Nick was, mind asked, you, oh, hold on, that, hold on. I, that, I just wanted to get to this.
1: Devonte Smith,
0: remember that piece? Okay. Nick Sirianni was asked in his um, post game conference, "Well, what was the what was the mindset there?" It's very apparent Nick was settling for a field goal. He was playing scared. He told the media that the wind was blowing in his face. Now. I was in the stadium. The wind wasn't necessarily blowing in our face, and a few plays before that, Jalen Hurts got an 18-yard gain to A.J. Brown. Ali, what makes more sense here? Getting it in five, six, eight-yard chunks, or sending out Jake Elliott to kick in the wind in your face? Okay, really bad call. The next drive, Greg Dortch. Greg Dortch. I don't know who Greg Dorch is. It's a 36-yard catch down to the 5-yard line with a minute and 20 left, and we didn't call a timeout to preserve the clock. Then on the next play, the Philadelphia Eagles actually had the audacity to try to tackle James Conner, which they did, and then we called a timeout instead of letting him score a touchdown and giving the ball back to Jalen Hurts with one timeout and over a minute left. But what ended up happening is Hertz got the ball back with 32 seconds left and no timeouts. Nick's only responsibility in here is to be a game manager. He's settling for field goals, and he's doing a piss-poor job of managing the clock into what we need to do here. I don't fault Brian Johnson for putting 31 points. 31 seems to be like this theme this year, right? 31 points up for our offense this year. I think 31 points in the NFL is fine. I don't know what the average amount of points scored for a game is, but I assure you it's not as high as 31. When when we need to put teams away, when we have the game on the line and we need to put it away, the only thing Nick Sirianni has to do and what he's done his entire career is be a game manager. And we are seeing time and time again he is not doing that effectively. I'll get off my high horse for now. I just had to get all of this out.
1: I think you you pinpointed a couple of things, right? The third down call to Kenneth Gainwell, who's your number two back, I guess. Kenny Gainwell's our number two, even though we got Boston Scott and Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, by the way, was active for the game against the Cardinals because Bradley Roby was benched. Bradley Roby, out of our malign secondary, has the lowest passer rating out of any one of our defensive backs with 67.4. That guy was benched for Rashad Penny, a guy who has seen what, maybe three snaps or three three plays in total, counting special teams all season long. This is a mismanagement of coaching. To, to answer your question about 31 points, the Miami Dolphins, who have the, the highest, the, the best offense, the best points per game uh, in the NFL this season, They're averaging 30.1 points per game. Yeah. So scoring 31 points on any team, I feel pretty good about our chances at winning that football game. Dorch, that was a name that I didn't hear or didn't really register in my mind until the end of the game yesterday. I didn't even realize Hollywood Brown was on injured reserve until I had to look that up. I was like, how is this Cardinals team going up and down the field at will against this secondary. But, you know, at the end of the day, the defense allowed three consecutive 70-plus-yard touchdown drives and hadn't held the Cardinals outside the 25-yard line in any of their drives all game long. The, The first and 20, quarterback run, quarterback run, you know, Kenny Gainwell bubble screen, I think is just a culmination of what we've been feeling all year long. So it's, perfect. At-
0: it's, it's, it's a perfect display of what we've been doing when we need it the most, a perfect display.
1: Yes. And I think, so, uh, Kyle Brandt, uh, the, the announcer on NFL network does good morning football. Yep. Um, he was talking about, uh, this is like very early on in the season, like week three, week four, talking about how he got this guy from Comcast to come to his house because his cable wasn't working and he starts talking to him and finds out the guy's from Philly and Kyle Brandt asks him he's like are you excited about this season and the guy goes no a storm is coming and he was just so flabbergasted by the fact that we were undefeated at that point in time and he was like I don't understand Philly fans like your team is undefeated they're looking like they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now why are you so freaked out? this is the moment where we were the chicken little that I referenced at the beginning of this episode. The sky was in fact falling. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. an acorn that fell on our head. We knew that when you're winning, they're labeled as flaws. When you're losing, they're labeled as problems. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately over the last five weeks, we're one in four all of our flaws—they didn't just come out of nowhere. We've been dealing with them throughout this entire year, but now that we're losing games because of them, they're becoming bigger and bigger problems. And the playoffs—it is not going to get any easier in the playoffs, right? Like I think the playoffs are are the moment when you have to sort of like make peace with all of your demons throughout the season. The Cowboys can't beat a winning team on the road. You know, it looks like they're probably going to get a home game at the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins can't beat a winning team in general, right? Except for the Dallas Cowboys who were playing on the road. Um, All of these other teams have to make peace with all their demons. When I have to think about what our demons are, we've got a piss poor secondary. Sorry, didn't mean to curse. We've got a run defense that was at one point in the season, the best run defense in the entire league. And we allow over 220 rushing yards yesterday to Connor. We've got Offensive play calling that generally puts points on the board, but we talked about this earlier in the season. Situational play calling is more of an art than a science. Mm-hmm. It's why some coaches are successful in the moments that matter the most during the games, and it's why some coaches run quarterback draw, quarterback draw, and then a wide, you know, running back. Yeah,
0: and, and, and I want to call something out real quick. There's a big difference between play calling and situational play calling because I don't yes. think the play calling. Was really that bad the the entire game? I felt that it was. I mean, dude, we saw Jalen Hurts lining up under center. Like when he did that, the, there was an actual audible, like cackling in the in the stands saying, "Oh my god, Hurts is under center." There was a play out of the pistol. I loved the Kenneth Gainwell fake tush push throw to, yes. for a first down to. I think that was Devonta Smith. I yes. love that. Like that was great. Like that is what we wanted to see. But the situational side of that. When you're running a quarterback draw on first and 20 in a tie game, th- that is, that is, so So I guess like my question to you, Ali, is like, who do you think is responsible for that? Do you think that is Nick saying, hey, we're settling here or we're doing this? Or do you really think it's Brian Johnson? Because Nick was saying in those calls, we're trying to expose the gap defense because we think that we're expecting them to send the house. They ain't sending the house on first and 20, homie. I'm sorry, Nick. But I play enough Madden to know they're not sending the house on first and 20 because they don't need to send the house on first and 20. If it was third and 20 maybe. So, like, help me understand, Ali. Do you think this is boiling down to Nick? Or do you really think that this is just Brian Johnson being really bad in situations? Because outside of that, I, I wasn't too upset with the offense and how they played. I don't think any of this is on Jalen Hurts. I think he did what he needed to do.
1: I mean, my personal belief is, is me, you know, right. I I was brought up in the military. Anything that my team gets right is on them. Anything that they get wrong is on me. And it's going to be either because I failed to lead them, coach them, guide them or resource them. Um, I think to the Harry Truman quote of the buck stops here, right? He knew that he was ultimately responsible for the success and failure of this nation with his decisions. I think this is on Nick Sirianni 100%, no questions asked, because when it was about a defensive issue, he had no problems mm-hmm. demoting Sean Desai and promoting Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, by the way, who gave up 41 points against Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, um, not necessarily the best resume for defensive play calling. He did have a head coaching position, I, I, I believe, right after that season that was was very, very short-lived. Matt Patricia is not an upgrade by any means to Sean Desai. This is a scheme issue. It's also a personnel issue because I do believe we are lacking in the linebacker position. I do believe we are lacking in the defensive line position because our defensive line, if you think about last year, how many rotations did we have? These guys were coming in fresh after fresh after fresh play. It it was just insane the level of sort of repetition that we provided these guys just because each one of them was just like, okay, yeah, I'm coming in for three, four plays, and then I'm coming out to take a rest. We've got issues on our secondary. Obviously, there's some, there's some health issues there, but James Bradbury has regressed significantly. Um, e- Eli Ricks is not a great corner. Uh, Sidney Brown. He is slow. Right, slow,
0: slow. Yeah.
1: Right. I mentioned Bradley Roby, Avante Maddox. Like, listen, I I love Avante Maddox, but the dude just can't stay healthy. Right. And yeah, and nickel, he has another
0: X ray again.
1: Yes. After that game, Nick, yeah. N- nickel cornerback is probably one of the most difficult positions to play. I've already said defensive back is probably the most difficult position to play, in my opinion, next to the quarterback position. But the nickel corner position, you're like a hybrid between a safety and a cornerback, and you've got to you've got to guard. their their players' most physical, most dominant Mm -hmm. receivers when they line up in the slot. And here we are taking our best nickel corner in Bradley Roby and benching him so that we can upgrade Rashad Penny for whatever reason. This is poor game management. This is poor coaching. And when it comes to situational play calling, the fact that We have been talking about quarterback runs inside the red zone. We've been talking about giving the ball to Kenny Gainwell inside the red zone as far back as like what, week two, week three. And here, all the way up to this past Sunday, yesterday, when we're talking about poor play calling in the moments that matter most, when we absolutely need a score, when it's clear that our defense cannot keep their offense out of the end zone, we're settling for field goals. This is yeah. 100% on Nick Sirianni. I I I I am saddened by the fact that, you know, Brian Johnson for, you know, for all we know, could be a stellar offensive coordinator, but we're never going to know because Nick Sirianni, this is like his offense and he's looking over Brian Johnson's shoulder
0: every step yeah. of the way. Well, and that's why I get back to and and I did have a point when I said that Nick Sirianni needs an adult in the room. Demote Nick back to offensive coordinator. I don't know what it looks like, but I look at the market now and I see a coach like Bill Belichick that's becoming available. Do you really think that Bill Belichick would let any of that happen on his watch? His team sucks. And they sold their soul for all those Super Bowls that they had before. Um, They had a lot of money that they had to go. They don't have a wide receiver one or anything. Do you think someone like Bill Belichick is going to let that happen? I mean, Ali, are we really talking about firing Nick here in the offseason? Would you bring in someone like Bill or or another coach that's available? Or do you really think that like we're led to believe this lie that we've been told since like week seven that we just have to execute better? We're not playing to the standard. Well, when are we gonna play to the standard, Nick?
1: Yeah, I, I would if I was Howie Roseman, it, it wouldn't even be a thought in my mind. Like, even if Nick Sirianni, for whatever reason, manages to figure out how to win the first playoff game, even a second playoff game, and loses in the NFC Championship game, like. I almost I don't
0: want to. I almost don't want to at this point.
1: Yeah. But honestly, I, I think you still part ways with Nick Sirianni. Like I think that he's he's lost the sideline. It's clear from any fan yeah. stand,
0: like just watching the game, Dude, he's AJ lost Brown, the sideline. AJ Brown, AJ Brown won't even talk to the media. Devonta Smith won't talk to the media. It's really bad. That's actually another thing too. As a captain, so you've you've been in the military, like you understand what it means to like. And, and I'm not even going to pretend I know all the vernacular, but there are like certain people. Um, captain of the ship, if you will. Like, you go down with the ship. You saw Brandon Graham talking. You saw Fletcher Cox talking. You talk, You saw some of these other captains. But to see Devonta Smith and especially A.J. Brown that are out of sight, out of mind, one, that's really bad for the demeanor in the locker room and what players, especially these young players, because we have a lot of them, are looking to them and saying, like, hey, like, what's, what's the vibe? What are we supposed to be doing here? Um, but I'm also very worried that we're just going to see a very dysfunctional locker room. Um, but I almost think that if we lose the first playoff game, it's almost better for us because I'm almost happy we didn't have a sloppy win. Um, yesterday, I'm glad that we got we, we, we lost because we didn't deserve to win that game. Um, but back back to my question, I'm kind of dragging on here. What is your thoughts on the captains? being silenced through all of this offensive captains.
1: I think it's, it's a perfect illustration of how they truly feel about the situation. One of my last first, uh, first sergeants in the army uh, when I was a captain, he uh, you know, I had a, I had a pretty sort of um, uneventful command. I had a pretty uneventful kind of like experience in leadership in the military. Um, As far as like, things going bad versus things going good up until I had this, this first sergeant who was like, you're going to be defined. You're I'm sorry. Your, your leadership is going to be defined by the worst moments that you have to endure. Last season, I can't name a lot of first, you know, worst moments that we had last season. I can't name a lot of bad sort of experiences that we had in the latter part of 2021. I can name a lot of bad experiences this season, and I think Nick Sirianni's leadership is being defined by those moments. And I think when you look at Bill Belichick, who does have a horrible, horrible team right now, no one is questioning his leadership right now. Because it is clear that he is doing everything humanly possible to get the most out of he can uh, that he can out of what he has, which is a lackluster in in you know talent as far as his team is concerned. Nick Sirianni, in my mind, is the person who can come in and manage a company while it's performing smoothly, but he is not the person that you bring in for a turnaround. He is not the person that you bring in when you need something that's innovative or something that challenges the status quo. He is a good team manager. And when things go wrong, it's time to move on. And Alex, I think things have gone wrong to a point where we've lost to probably the worst team in the NFL going into the playoffs, in a time when you need to be winning football games, we are losing football games. Think back, like, I, I mean, I, ju- I just want to, like, highlight this piece because I, I was kind of shocked when I read this. 28 days ago, the Eagles were 10-1. Jalen Hurts was the clear MVP favorite. I got on, on Instagram and took a video selfie talking about how Jalen Hurts was the MVP because he just ran in that game-winning touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. The Eagles had the number one rush defense in the NFL. We had the sixth overall defense. We had the number four passing offense and the number four rushing offense. And in those 28 days, we've gone one in four. I can understand Philadelphia losing to San Francisco after we've had that emotional game against Buffalo. I can understand losing in Dallas. I can't understand losing to Seattle. I can't to Drew Locke in Seattle. I can't understand losing to the Arizona Cardinals without Hollywood Brown. I just don't. Yeah. It's time to move on.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, man, our offense is healthy. There was no big gaps missing yesterday. Uh, it looks like Devonta Smith did uh, suffer a mild ankle sprain, so he should be back. At this point, just just sit everyone. Just sit everyone for for the last week of the year. We don't need to. Can we fall anymore? No. Packers are 8-8. Eight and eight.
1: We can't Rams fall anymore.
0: Are, yeah, we can't fall anymore. So honestly, it looks like as of right now, unless some things happen, um, the playoff bracket is going to be San Francisco is going to be at a bye. Green Bay is going to go to Dallas. Rams are going to go to the Lions, and we're going to go to Tampa. I mean, I guess from a playoff perspective, that's probably the best news for us. But um, it sucks, man. It sucks. I uh, I don't even know if we want to do an episode this week. Like what's there to break down? I think the thing that also just like really hurts is we we had it. We we had everything we needed. The Lions somehow on a questionable call um lost the game in Dallas. Division we, was can ours we ta- for the ticking. Can we talk sure? about that? Can we talk about that? Because sure.
1: obviously we've we've talked about refereeing in the NFL this season and how it's appeared to have gotten probably the worst it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And in this case where you've got such a monumental play call that ends on a debacle, this referee crew has now been demoted. They can't ref any playoff game this season. I don't know what, what their future is is going to be like, but yeah, the NFL has said
0: that they're not refing any playoff games this season. Wow. I did not hear that. Yeah. I mean, it, was the call wrong though? Like it was an illegal formation regardless. So isn't that still illegal touching, which is what they called. They didn't say ineligible receiver. They said illegal touching. And since he wasn't covered, he wasn't able to make that call regardless if he checked in or not. I just think yeah. everyone's kind of focusing on the wrong things here.
1: Yeah. I, the thing is what they called was a penalty. And I think Who knows if they would have called that, you know, an illegal touching or an illegal formation because an eligible receiver was covered by another eligible receiver. Who knows if they would have called that, Mm -hmm. but them calling an illegal touching is because they're saying that Decker didn't report. Right. Yeah. And that's not the right
0: call. He did. He did. There's plenty of video evidence to support that he that he did say that. So, yeah, it's like, does it come down to, well, pick your poison? But that's not what they actually called on the field. Right. Um, and they even went into this long thing where, where Troy Aikman and, um, um, whoever he's hosting with, and they did the post game show, like they broke it all down. They're like, no, he definitely did what he needed to do. Um, I'm also trying to think of, oh yeah. Like yesterday, the, uh, the pass interference call on Kelly Ringo was really bad. Now the Arizona Cardinals should have never put 35 points on us, but like, come on dude like he dragged him down kelly had nothing to do with that play so that was that was pretty bad too with the officiating
1: yeah i honestly i don't know if we can if we can rectify officiating at any point in, in in the near future without the use of some type of technology yeah um I think because we've got all these different camera angles, you know, we can basically referee a football game because we've, we're able to see this stuff in slow motion, whereas they've got to react to it in real time. The human eye is one of the most inconsistent, uh, can't depend, you know, non dependable tools that are out there in nature, and yet we use it as a resource to guide us in making decisions so often. And I think, especially you know, I don't gamble, right? But like the amount of money that's going into FanDuel and DraftKings and all of these other sports betting websites that are now, that's now being affected by boneheaded calls like this, where it needs to be right, and these people are potentially lo- like how many people potentially lost millions of dollars on Saturday night because of a bum headed call on the field that could have been rectified with replay
0: technology so here's a question i want to ask everyone on social media and chime in in the comments my wife has brought this up to me before and it's pretty interesting so the question is is in a time where it doesn't look like blatant calls are being called penalties anymore it's more so law of the land anything that you see in the rule book do you think that every single play Every single play, regardless of what it is, should be subjected and being able to be challenged.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, obviously, please comment and let us know.
0: This means holding. This means pass interference. This means delay a game. This means false starts. I mean, anything. Do you think that anything in the NFL should have the ability to be challenged?
1: Uh, You know, obviously, our listeners, our followers, please let us know what you what you think in the comments. But I honestly think everything should be up for discussion. If they can review a touchdown within the 40 seconds or the 25 seconds of the play clock right after a score is confirmed before the extra point is kicked, then they should absolutely review every single play. It's the amount of money going into this game warrants that they get these calls right. And it warrants that. You know, a a mistake, a human error, which is very common, and it shouldn't be looked at as someone who can't do their job correctly. It is just being human. That should have the ability to be rectified to make sure that we are getting these plays called right. What do you think, Alex?
0: Well, but that also means, though, on plays that don't get called, you can challenge and say, hey, there was this. So now you enter into really uncharted territory where a holding call isn't called. Um, like you see all the time with the Kansas City Chiefs. I especially remember the one against the Jets on that Jets. primetime game. Oh my game. God. like, holy crap, dude. But that means that you can also throw a flag and say, hey, I saw Blayton holding there. And I think a lot of offensive and defensive linemen would agree that there's holding way more times than it's called. So now you open up a different bag of worms. So I think it's an interesting debate. Personally, I think anything that is called on the field should be able to be challenged. And I was really much against this, but I've actually gotten to the point where I've conditioned myself that at the end of every single big play, the end of every single touchdown at the, at the, at the end of almost anything I'm looking to see on the scoreboard. If there's a little tiny flag notification, because more times than not, it feels like they're getting called back and in bigger and bigger moments. So yeah, I do think you should be able to challenge it. Um, you're giving more power back to these, you know, to, to the coaches instead of saying, hey, they're flipping their lids and, 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 and throwing headsets and everything. All right, then waste a challenge on it. If you really feel that committed to it, the NFL should allow them to be able to do it. But I think in some of those gray areas like holding, I don't really know how you rectify the situation, but it's an interesting debate for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think all I'm looking for really is consistency. Whenever I see these referee crews against the Eagles or like, you know, the Eagles are 30 and one or anything like that, I want consistency. I want to see that one referee crew isn't, you know, a little bit more lackadaisical when it comes to pass interference than another crew. I want to have the players understand what I can and can't do and not have to adjust their playing style because they are with a certain referee crew.
0: Yeah. that's that's plain and simple yeah so all right man uh well i guess you know i'll give you my closing thoughts you give me yours and then we'll we'll send off episode 80 um i'm not mad i'm not enraged but like i said my spirit has been crushed i don't care about the playoffs anymore for this team i sure playing the tampa bay buccaneers is something that may be exciting My wife and I actually booked a getaway that weekend because we won't have a playoff game to go to um, at Lincoln Financial, which is really, really depressing. Um, So that's really it, guys. Um, We Ali and I were on the same page where we warned everyone. Last year was our Goldilocks year. We had everything in there. We had a rookie quarterback. We had top players in the position. We kind of stumbled into the Super Bowl with the hurt Brock Purdy. And at the end of the game, we had an opportunity to win it. New defensive offensive coordinators. Nick Sirianni still very much immature. Some players have started regressing. And now we see what happens when he's faced with some adversity. This is the worst 11-5 and team I think I've ever seen in my life. Maybe comparable to the Steelers of last year. Um it's not exciting. It's not exciting to be an Eagles fan. I don't know why I subject myself to this. I love this team. I'm going to continue to root for this team, but my spirit is crushed. There is no other Eagles news going on right now that's going to make me feel any differently right now. So best of luck against the Giants. We'll see what happens against the Bucks if that's uh, the way it shakes out. But I think at this point, I'm hoping for a first round exit so we can focus on the off-season and change some things and some personnel. There's not a lot of optimism coming out from me. Ali, close us out and send us home.
1: Sweet. Um, I'll start with a negative and then I'll turn into positive. Um, the negative was when I was going through my X feed, I stopped by the Eagles Nation page where um, – they said that they just realized this game against the Cardinals may very well have been Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox's last ever games played at Lincoln Financial mm. Field that's that's pretty crushing. That's pretty crushing, um considering how this season had started with all of the expectations to how it ended in um, in in sort of embarrassing fashion the way that it did yesterday. What I will say, is at the end of it all, um, Howie Roseman in my mind has done some really boneheaded things like drafting Jalen Rieger instead of you know Jay Jettis, uh, he drafted uh JJ Artega Whiteside instead of DK Metcalf, um, but at the same time, he also built a team that went to the Super Bowl in 2017 even though his star MVP level quarterback was hurt. He then decides after the owner decides to fire head coach Doug Peterson to go out and rebuild the team and send another team to the Super Bowl five years later. I don't think this man is incompetent. I think he is consistently one of the smartest GMs that we have have sort of found ourselves in or fell into um, when all of the we hear all these other stories of GMs getting fired, Howie Roseman is often lauded as the guy who other GMs have to sort of like hold on to their pockets to make sure that he doesn't rip them off. That guy is on our team. So as far as your comment of, of being excited for the offseason, if we do have an early first round exit. Best case scenario is we've got a higher draft pick and we could potentially use that draft capital into into, you know, sort of building another
0: Super Bowl team in the next year, in the next two, three, four, five years you know what or start the the tampering process I I don't think Jonathan Gannon truly understands what he did to this franchise with it so we should take a page out of his book and start tampering with other people what a what a bonehead man I just I can't stand that anyway
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. I mean we can we can sit back and and think about the what ifs if we had Vic Fangio but you know it is what it is the other positive thing that I'll I'll point point us to right because I think you and I are, are cut from the same cloth like we bleed green like any other Eagles fan but at the same time we love this game man we love this game we love football like so much wild card weekend best weekend ever super wild card weekend I think we have a lot to look forward to as fans of the game in general Matthew Stafford The old, old, old quarterback. I think he's the oldest active quarterback in the league right now, leading his team to another game in the playoffs, potentially going to his old team, Detroit, in the playoffs. Think about that storyline. Dak Prescott, he's having an MVP level season and he's likely going to lose in the playoffs yet again because I don't think anyone in the NFC can stick with the 49ers. And frankly, Lamar Jackson, man, what a resurgence for that guy. Mm -hmm. A one-time MVP looking to get his second MVP and potentially his first Super Bowl when I felt like he had the potential to go out there and win that Super Bowl the first year that he was in. I think there's a lot of storylines to be excited about in the NFL this season that don't necessarily have to do with the Eagles. So I'm excited about how this playoff picture is going to unfold. And And I'm excited about how this, this, you know, this off season is going to unfold because frankly, we're, we're at rock bottom right now in my mind. And the only way to go is up. So with that, thanks everyone for listening to our rant for the last 40 minutes. This has been episode 80 with the Winging It podcast. There's a lot to look forward to despite the negativity, despite all of the, the ailments that we just described. I still think that we have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC in Jalen Hurts. I think we've got the best one-two wide receiver combo in the league, even though our coaching can't figure out a way to to sort of optimize us to our potential. Um, And hopefully in the next weeks, months, and years, we see this team achieve its full potential in the way that we all know that we can. uh, But for whatever reason, our coaching staff isn't, uh, isn't executing too. So with that, go Birds.